Good morning. Good to see you. I'm glad that you are here today. I had um, another message and a different song planned for today to wrap up our playlist series. However, I felt very led to offer a different message and a different song uh, because of what transpired in Texas this past week. Um, So I want to talk about a word that has been uttered more times than can probably be counted over these last five days, and it's this word, evil. Evil. Um, The acts committed on Tuesday at at Robb Elementary School were horrendous, evil acts. So let's start with a definition um, of evil if we're going to talk about it this morning. Uh, because I think we could come up with a lot of definitions, but I think at its at its base, stripped down definition, here we are in church. We're we're uh, following after God. We're seeking Him. We want to know more. Here's the definition of evil that I offer to you today, and it's this: is that evil is the rejection of God's perfect love and the corruption of His good creation. That evil is the rejection of God's perfect love, and it is the corruption of his good creation. Now, without a doubt, the theological uh, conversation about evil, it's, it's a difficult conversation to have just in, in regular circumstances, if you will. Um, but especially when, when we are, you know, when everyone's so raw and, and pained and, and, and filled with frustration and anger, um, it's a difficult conversation to have, like I said, in the, in the easiest of circumstances, but, but much less so when our nerves are you know, exposed uh, to feel everything acutely. Um, and so I, I see, here's what I want to do, I, I see in the midst of this, in the midst of this heartache, in the midst of um, heartache for the innocent, what I read and what I've heard people say, and I've seen it happen over and over over the last several days and, and other times and circumstances that are similar to this, that, that I, I see something, uh, a kind of a, tr- I don't know if a trend's the right word, but I see this pattern of, of people's response, and it's, it's a tendency to blame God for creating evil even to begin with. Like this tendency to, to, blame, to blame God for this evil. And then I also see an anger, which I'm not saying it's not justified to have an anger about this. But, but I see this anger that's directed towards some unknown human authority to, uh, th- that failed to stop this evil. Kind of this nameless you know, human authority that, that people want to be angry with. And so, here's, sorry if this seems a little jumbled, I I don't mean it to be at all, but here's something I want us to understand today. When we cry out against evil, and so it's okay to do that, like, hear that. It's okay to cry out against evil. It's okay to feel a sense of grief. It's okay to feel a sense of how in the world, why in the world. It's okay, but when we cry out against evil... We mustn't misappropriate our pain 
with this idolatrous expectation or, or misplaced blame. And, and I'll go into that more, but that's kind of where my, my thoughts were this week as I was thinking about this and started working on this, this message is that, that we can't misappropriate how we're feeling, justifiably so in many, many accounts. We can't misplace it, misappropriate it with this idolatrous expectation or misplaced blame. And I say this because as we respond to evil, here's what I see. One or both of the following occur. So here's the first one. We place this impossible expectation on on human authority to annihilate evil. That when things like this happen, we have this expectation on a human authority to come in and annihilate, like wipe it off the face of the earth, somebody come and do something. And I I don't mean that we have an expectation to just push back a little bit. I see this, I read this, I hear this, this expectation. I I mean this impossible expectant outcry for some human entity, some group to come in and eradicate evil in all its forms, to... To, to legislate evil to the nth degree. And please hear me, I'm not, try, I'm not making a political statement. I don't, I don't mess with that stuff. I'm, I'm not being political today. I'm just going to be biblical. Is that okay? Thanks. All right. That I see this expectation to omnipotently enforce, for humans to omnipotently enforce legislation. I see this. I read this. This comes up. I see how there's this, this expectation for this human authority to come in and have the power to stop such a thing. And as odd as this may sound, friends, that is a form of idolatry. When we expect a human being to come in and make things right when it comes to evil. That's expecting someone other than God to do what only God will ultimately do. Now, I'm not saying that we don't respond to evil however we can when it happens. But I'm saying that we should, especially as followers of Christ, as people who declare their their faith in Jesus Christ, that we should check our expectations and we have a proper perspective of evil. Because ultimately, humanity is not the answer to evil. Jesus Christ is. So that's one thing I see whenever moments like this happen in the the history of of humanity. When these events happen that, that hurt us, that hurt us collectively is there's a tendency to expect a person to come in and make things right. The other thing I see is this blame that people place on God for creating evil. When people start to start to think about, you know, the bigger picture, I hear these comments about well, why did God even uh, uh, create evil to begin with? Now, evil most certainly exists in this world. There's no doubt about it. Scripture even points us to this. In Genesis chapter 6, like, so it would be really negligent of us to go, well, you know, there's really not evil, but no, there is. And in Genesis 6, 
It says that the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness. This is verses 5 and 6. The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. It's there. It's there. Hmm. Jesus taught his disciples. In Matthew chapter 6, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And one of the things that he, in his, in his teaching them the prayer to pray that we know is the Lord's prayer, one of the things he said was that, that they should pray to be delivered from the evil one, to be delivered from evil. So it's real. It's existent. It's there. But friends, God did not create evil. There's no yin-yang thing going on. He didn't create evil. The first book of the Bible, we see where God looked out on his creation in Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, when it says that God saw all that he has made, all that he had made, and it was very good. He didn't, he didn't throw evil in as, as, as something for us to, to struggle with. God did not create evil. Here we go. He created free will. He created us with free will. And you can't talk about evil without talking about free will. Which means you can't, we can't talk about evil without understanding that we have a part to play. We can't just put all the blame out there. We have a part to play. What's free will? Here's what I mean by free will. Free will is the power of choosing or refusing either good or evil. So your free will means that you can choose good or you could choose evil. Your free will means that you could refuse good or you could refuse evil. This is what the free will life is that we have with God. And God gave us the free will to determine to choose to be in relationship with him. We need to understand that. We're not mindless robots. That's not a love relationship. He didn't create us to just automatically obey him and follow after him. That's That would make us like a tree or a mountain or or another part of his creation. No, he created in humanity the free will to choose him, to choose good or to choose evil. And so let's really understand this and grab a hold of this, this free will choice that you and I have has led to all of humanity choosing self over God so many times over and over and over again. I mean, choosing self, here's what I mean by that. Here's how I could say I could, if I had to prove that point. Choosing self over God, when you really break it down, okay, when you really get down to the nitty-gritty details of it all, choosing self over God looks like it manifests itself In things like hatred towards other people. Hatred towards others for differences in them. Differences that that, that are different than you. That's, That's what that looks like. That's how that manifests itself. When we choose self over God, we can have hatred towards other people. 
When we choose self over God, that leads to just destruction. I mean, and you, when we talk about like the, the, the physical realm, I mean, the, everything has been breaking down since the moment Adam and Eve left the garden. I mean, that's, sin has done this. When we talk about choosing self over God, it disease, the, the breakdown is there. It, it's happened. It's, it's hunger. When we choose self over God, then, then what that means is, is that portions, percentages of other people's souls on this planet are hungry when we are well fed. This is, the, this is when you get down to the nitty gritty of it all. When we choose self over God, then what happens is, is that there, there are people that are living in extreme poverty when others have great wealth. When we choose self over God, relationships get all messed up. When we choose self over God, we, humanity, can take the life of an innocent person. Evil. Evil. And so with perspective, what we need to do is we need to recognize that we each have chosen of our own free will at times, in moments, in seasons, to refuse God, to reject God and choose self instead. So, so hear, hear this. I mean, I'm trying to, if you need to bring it down into like a theme here, we need to understand that apart from God, we are utterly broken vessels. Since, since walking out of the garden, since being expelled from the garden, we are broken vessels. Now add to this, okay, because I was talking about like the, 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 the breakdown in the, in the physical world, the breakdown in the moral world where we have the choice to choose right or wrong, good or bad, but we don't. Now add to this, there is a spiritual aspect. We have an enemy. We have an enemy who of his own free will thought that he could be like God. So he was cast out. And has since gone about trying to keep us from knowing this very God. His number one motive. We have an enemy. We have an enemy who asserts evil in the world. First Peter tells us about this. That, that we have this enemy that, that, is, that is prowling around looking for someone to, 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 to devour. So evil exists. And we see it in the physical world, we see it in the moral world, and we see it in the spiritual world. There are principalities in darkness that are, that are attacking us. It is there. Evil is real. And so evil in all these forms, they all are there to, to thwart the cause of Christ in the world. That's what they're doing. Now, and, and this is the part where I, I, I know that... I'm still not like 100% percent on this, but I feel pretty strongly about this. 
as I, as I look at the world that we live in, knowing full well that we have a spiritual enemy. But I really think, I really do, that so much of the, the suffering in this world caused by evil actually is a result of us and our free will choices and what we've done. Like the free will choice of someone to either perpetuate an evil act or, or the free will choice of someone to, to not act when they should. And I really think that's where so much of the suffering in this world is happening. You know, it would be maybe easier to imagine that, that you know, our comic, you know, idea of the devil in the red suit, you know, and the pitchfork and the tail and the horns and all that, that it's just him over there doing it all. But friends, I think so much of it happens because we choose self over God. And here's why I say this, because I believe that Psalm 51 supports this, this that I'm, I'm still kind of working on a little bit. But listen to what D David wrote. David, wonderful David, wonderfully flawed David. He says this beginning in verse 1 of Psalm 51. See how he owns this. He says, have mercy on me, O Lord. He's not praying to have, oh God, have mercy on all, all those horrible people out there. Or God, have mercy on the, the, the enemy that's making all this bad stuff happen. No, have mercy on me, oh God, because of your unfailing love. And I don't know if you've ever noticed when we read scripture, especially in the Psalms, but when the writer declares like the goodness of God, the unfailing love of God, those kinds of attributes and characteristics, without saying it, what they're saying is, because I know my love fails. Right? Have mercy on me, O oh God, because of your unfailing love. Because my love fails. Because of your great compassion. Because mine isn't that great. He says, blot out the stains of whose? My sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. Friends, that's the, that's the free will. That's the conflict. That's the battle right there. He realizes that he chooses self over God. He says, it haunts me day and night. That's so you know that that's someone who's pursuing God. Because otherwise it wouldn't haunt you at all. Against you and you alone have I sinned. And then he says, I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say. And your judgment against me is just. I have chosen myself over you, God. It's true. This is what he's declaring. He says, for I was born a sinner. Everything had been set in motion once the garden, the gates were closed. 
Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me, but you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Hmm. Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. David saying, God, I am a broken vessel. God, I have chosen myself over you. I have committed evil. I sin. See, I gave that, that kind of baseline definition for evil because I know the tendency. I know that we want to, we want to give, we want to give evil I don't know, levels, some things are worse than others, and, you know, we like, we like to make comments like, well, there's a special place in hell for that, whatever. There's not, friends. Evil. Separation from God. Choosing self over God continually for all the days that we have to draw breath into our lungs, that is the end result. We're broken. And there are no laws, no matter how well written, and no matter how many of those laws are written, and no matter how well those laws are enforced, there are no laws that can dictate your morality or godly living. None. Because isn't it true, isn't it true that there are no laws that can control you? There are no laws that can control you. Okay, so if we want to get into like, you know, I don't know, physics and stuff, you can be like, well, there's gravity. But, um, <laughs> friends, there's no laws that can control you. There are no laws written by some human authority that can control you. And even God's law can't control you. You have been given the free will to choose whether you will obey, whether you will live according to God's word, or if you will not. Well, no, Shannon, that's, no, 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 I, I, I'm controlled by the law. The law is good. Yeah, okay, yeah. The law has a, a role, and it, it proves what's right or what's wrong, what's allowed, what's not, but, but it doesn't make you do it. No laws can control you. I mean, think about it. Rolling through that yellow, almost orange light. You have the choice to do that, right? Do texting and driving. Well, that's against the law. See, it can't control you. You choose whether you want to do that. You choose that. You to being pulled over for being point something over the legal limit because that's what the law says. The, the law says you should pay this amount of taxes, do you? Or did you run? <laughs> we have the choice. There are no laws that can control us. And further, evil 
in its, in its whatever kind of manifestation that it shows up in, it doesn't respond to our outcries when it happens. It doesn't apologize for what has occurred. It can't, it can't be fixed by humanity. There's nothing that can fix it. Evil can't be legislated. I've said this before. I'll say it forever. You cannot legislate morality. And that's not a political statement. That's a biblical statement. We're broken vessels. So we need an antidote. We need an antidote because this is seemingly hopeless. If we're all prone to sin, evil, if we all choose, if we, if we understand that we have the free will choice to choose God or not, and we can all sit here and go, I have chosen myself so many times. We need an antidote to this. Our brokenness desperately needs the grace of God. And friends, it is grace because we do not deserve it. It is his grace, it is his mercy that is given to us. We do not deserve it. We have not earned it. And so start with yourself. Your propensity to sin, to choose self over God, to choose B when you know that you know that you know that A is the way that you're supposed to go. Start there. Oh, but the evil out there. Start with the evil within. Your propensity to, to when you hear the, hear the Holy Spirit say, don't do it. Don't do it. And you do it. When you feel the nudge to do what is right and what is good, what is holy, and yet you don't. We need the grace of God. And where the law, and here's what I'm talking about, where you can't legislate morality, here's what I mean by that. Where the law was completely unable to bring about righteousness, God made a way by his grace. The law couldn't do it. God made a way by his grace to reconcile you with him through Jesus Christ. So through the life, through the death, through the resurrection of Christ, evil is defeated. How that plays out and how that looks on the time, you know, continuum, I, I, I can't, I can't, I don't know how to put words to that. But I know that evil is defeated. And so through Jesus, we are forgiven of that sin, of that evil. And we're reconciled to God by his amazing grace. This is what Romans 8 says. This is this is powerful. This is God's truth coming coming at you, okay? So now, verse 1, Romans 8. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power, here it is, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Choose God and he will, he will equip you. Choose God, he will give you what you need. Choose him. Then he says, okay, 
can't legislate morality. Verse 3, the law of Moses was unable to save us. The law of Moses, that's, that's greater than any government's laws that could ever be written. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body, like the body we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. And he did this so that the just requirement of the law, see, the law's there, and it, it proves good and bad, it proves right and wrong and all that. It, there was still a requirement And he did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. We have been given the free will choice to choose God. And so the God of the universe, he desperately wants us to choose him. He wants us to choose him. He wants us to choose him by our own free will to do this so that through Jesus Christ, he he reconciles with the hard-hearted, the rebellious evil that is within us. he's, He's relentlessly pursuing that relationship with us. Broken vessel and all. So as the band comes back out and and gets situated, ready to, and we kind of turn our focus to this final song in our in our playlist. Um, here here are these these kind of final final words. Okay. Um, In spite of the reality of evil in the world, don't stop doing good. Don't stop doing good. Don't don't do that. Don't don't stop doing good. Offer life, offer hope, offer God's light in the darkness. Offer that where you are. In every possible opportunity that you have, don't stop doing good it is a witness to the goodness of our father it is a witness to the work of his son Jesus Christ it is a witness to the working of his Holy Spirit to change the rebellious heart to change the the, the desire for evil over good don't stop doing good in the name of Jesus don't do it And I would also ask that you would some people want to try to tell us that we need to keep our prayers to ourselves. Well, you're not praying to people, you're praying to God. Would you ask our God 
to bring some measure of his holy presence to families that are utterly beyond crushed today. Ask God to minister to them. Don't withhold those prayers. Don't withhold those prayers for the goodness of God to be revealed to people who need him. And then I would say, ask God to reveal the brokenness in your own life. It's not allow evil to perpetuate evil, but to allow even this, this horrible moment of evil to cause you to look inward, to look at the brokenness in your own life. Not so that you can feel, feel bad, but so you can be made whole. So you can be made whole by the work of Jesus. And then finally, I would say this. By the grace of God, I pray that you would know this promise that when we, when we, when you, when I, when we turn from our evil ways, when we choose to do that, that that's where broken vessels are mended, and that is when they are filled with God's amazing grace.